passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Seth Rollins retains the Universal Championship here tonight from Charlotte at Clash of... Oh my God, no. The Fiend is here! He's got Rollins! Sister Abigail on the stage! Welcome, everybody at home, tuning in to the Clash of Champions post-show. I am John Pollock, along with our technical director, Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? Every time it's something so uh apologies for the delay hopefully we are up and running um god i just i've had it i've had it with youtube i've had it with this shit well on that note everybody we have a lot of wrestling to discuss today we're gonna bring up waiting spirits this is like the um the live action version of peter pan when tinkerbell's spirit was down and peter pan told everyone to clap clap at home Clap, clap, and the light just got brighter and brighter, and then Tinkerbell was able to fly, and Tinkerbell was played by, like, a flashlight in this live-action version of Peter Pan. You never saw this, I imagine. I have no idea what you're talking about. This was, like, the coolest thing ever for an eight-year-old to watch this live-action version. It was played, actually. Peter Pan was played by the mother of Larry Hagman, who played J.R. Ewing. Awesome. Welcome to our Clash of Champions post show. We're going to be going through the show from tonight in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're also going to go through the destruction card from Beppu on Sunday morning. Uh, We also have some live notes from the AAA and Impact event that went down at the Hulu Theater in New York City. Lots of wrestling that was going on this past weekend. And we do want to hear from you. So you can give us a call later on in the show if you want to jot down this number. 732-800-4423. That is 732-800-4423. Two three, or you can Skype in by contacting Post Wrestling on Skype, and we want to hear from all of you, whether it be through the forum or live and in living color. But Certainly, it, yeah. Beyond YouTube, how was your day? My day was fine. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I had a lot, got a lot done today. So yeah, good. I solved. You know, when you're having just a problem with with something. Well, I was going to say a problem with something technology wise. I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. For the last. 10 days, okay, when I've been going out and listening to a podcast or music, my my headphones, the, the, the program I'm listening to or the song I'm listening to would just stop. It would just stop and start. And I'm like, am I in like a bad wireless area? Is it like I've downloaded like these shows? I've, this shouldn't be an issue. 
and it's just been driving me nuts. I was like, I recently got an update on my phone. Did I screw something up? But it was like it would stop just intermittently, and then it would start again. Sometimes it would shuffle to another thing. When I'd play a podcast, it wouldn't save the place it was at. My head was going to explode when I suddenly realized the problem was not my iPhone. It was not my headphones. But these bastards at Apple make you get this adapter to put your headphones into the the iPhone. The lightning jack, yeah. The lightning jack. The $10 lightning jack. This thing apparently had been... You can see this damage here. Mm, This was the problem. Oh, no. I had a $10 problem, and I thought it was like my phone was just to be destroyed. So... $10. $10. Brand new lightning jack, courtesy of my wife, who picked this up for me. Oh, congrats. So it's like, I have a major problem that has been solved, that has been driving me absolutely insane. You gotta get in the wireless technology. Ugh. I don't know about that. Wireless and me don't go very well together, but nonetheless, um, so I'm in a great mood. Okay, well, hopefully we'll get through the show and then our techno- technological <clears throat> issues will be over with. Listen, I, I, needed, I needed something as a pick-me-up. To go into this show tonight, we had Clash of Champions, going to dive right into things, Mm -hmm. from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. We started off hours ago on the kickoff panel with Jonathan Coachman, Charlie Caruso, Booker T, and David Otunga. They talked, and they talked, and they talked, and they talked, and they threw to a video package, and then they talked, and they talked, and then we had about uh, under 25 minutes left, and we had two kickoff matches to get to. Well, listen, you you know, we talk about the AEW kick uh, buy-ins and talk about how they don't focus enough on the main events that are coming up with their video packages. Is this what a kickoff should be? Well, I will – we'll discuss at the end of the kickoff maybe some of the uh, the placement of some of these. They did interview Kofi Kingston and Big E, and they asked, how is Xavier Woods doing after the attack? Mm-hmm. And they panned over, and there is Xavier Woods, as advertised – for his match tonight, and apparently this was a big surprise. Xavier Woods is here. I'm guessing they wanted to keep him away for the angle on Tuesday. You know, it really had no place for him on Tuesday, and they still needed a match, so this was the place to reintroduce him. I guess so, yes. Charlie was stunned that this match was going to happen. So we had Drew Gulak versus Umberto Carrillo and Lince Dorado with the new 205 Live commentary team of Vic Joseph, Aiden English uh, from the prior group, and replacing Nigel McGuinness is a Dio Madden, who was uh, brought up this past Tuesday and is going to be doing 205 Live. I th- I've i never obviously heard this guy do commentary before, but I thought this guy, you know, for the first time I'm hearing him, seemed to gel with these two very well. Sounded fine. You know, it's only one match, so I can't really make up my mind on, on him either way. But yeah, why not? I, I mean, I still prefer a two-man announce team, honestly. Sure. I, I don't. I think Aiden English, like his, his I have a hard time hearing him because I I imagine him singing every time I hear him talking. The words he says are perfectly fine. He seems like a good analyst, but like the voice is just. I'm always hearing him do his promo. It's I just don't think it's a good voice for commentary unless he was playing a character. It's such a character's voice mm. that him doing straight up commentary, which is what he does on Two Hundred Five Live, feels a little bit odd. Yeah, it's. It kind of reminds me of like hearing like Lanny. Po- I don't want to compare him to Lanny Poffo. I don't mean it like Lanny that. Po- Lanny Poffo plays a character, or at least in in the past when he when he would do. Yeah, but it, like his delivery is very distinct. Like he's yeah. speaking in a rhythm, and that's how Aiden English would speak with that tone in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And you're hearing him talk n- naturally, and it's it's jarring. It's weird. It's a little weird. So 
match begins. Uh, Dorado hit a springboard crossbody to the floor and then a Hurricane Rana off the desk to Carrillo. And the match seemed most to be built around Umberto Carrillo. He hit uh, a lot of big offense that was focused upon, hit a... He rolled into a standing moonsault and then a rolling armbar onto Gulak, and it led to a big spot where Dorado was on Gulak's shoulders, and Carrillo dove over the top, taking both men down. Carrillo locked on a leg submission, so then Dorado came in, applying a submission to Carrillo. They all broke free. Gulak then pressed Dorado in the air, who drop-kicked Carrillo on top. Dorado then followed with a big top-rope Hurricane Rana, followed by missing a shooting star, and Carrillo hit an Inziguri off the top and the Aztec press, but Gulak tossed Carrillo to the floor and bridged Dorado, and you heard, who I assume was the referee, saying, get the shoulders up, get the shoulders up, yeah. and they cut away so you couldn't see Gulak's shoulders, and he pinned Lince Dorado to retain the Cruiserweight title 10 minutes, 4 seconds, and the idea here seemed to be that Umberto Carrillo had the match won and had the pinfall stolen by Gulak. I thought a really good three-way match. I thought both Lindsay Dorado and Humberto Carrillo looked really good. Uh, and, you know, Gulak kind of doing the heel thing, running in and stealing the pin. It was fine. It was a fun opener. Um, but, you know, with I think more and more I, I'm i starting to wonder wonder whether or not these matches should have a place on a on a pay-per-view kickoff. To me, the, the distinction between a 205 Live match and everything else on the card feels way bigger now. Uh, and I, I wonder, you know, I, you know, because of all the conversation, even beyond that, whether or not a spot like this would be re- better reserved for something that audiences typically might see on Raw or SmackDown, like your your R-Truth a- angle. Would that be better served in a spot like this? I'll go bigger picture. Like in this era where we're getting big shows and like a weekend like a few, but where we had All Out and Royal Quest and TakeOver, what what is a show like this? What is the purpose of this show? Network uh, to get that network, network commitment, wise. which is great yeah. for them business wise. But for me, the viewer, like this was a show that it's to me, your big shows have to feel like big shows and not just our four week obligation. Right. So are you talking about the kickoff in particular or, or Clash of Champions as a whole? I would say Clash of Champions as a whole. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and we'll we'll get into that more with specifics here. Uh, good opener. I, I, I thought it was fine. Um, I, I wouldn't say great, but it was, you know, a fine opener for this for the spot in the show. And then Sarah Schreiber interviewed Bailey and Sasha Banks, who laughed off any pressure for their matches tonight. Uh, and they're going to go home with all the gold tonight. That's their prediction. And then in the second kickoff match, AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander for the United States title. Now, I wasn't as down on this being on the kickoff as others were. But when I saw that they started walking down to the ring with about 15 minutes left, mm. that is when I kind of got disappointed here because you knew this thing was not getting any kind of time and by the end of the show a bit of a head scratcher so carl anderson and luke gallows are sent to the back and listen to their credit they worked an intense four minutes and 55 seconds yeah. but if you were to tell me ahead of time these two are getting four minutes and 55 seconds there's only so much you can do styles ran into a michinoku driver immediately so they had the crowd's attention with the big near fall right off the top mm-hmm. alexander hit a tope con hero and handspring insiguri into the ring Alexander then was stopped and knocked off balance going for a springboard and got dropped on the edge of the apron and Styles hit a Styles clash on the floor, rolled Alexander in, but instead of covering him for three, lifted him, hit an Ushiguroshi, and then kicked away at his legs. There was a rope break from a calf crusher, and then Styles hit the phenomenal forearm and the Styles clash and pinned Cedric Alexander. 
I was pretty surprised at the finish, you know? Like, I was enjoying this match a lot. It was like, really good. The four minutes before the finish, I was like, wow, this this feels like it's, like, going somewhere. Like, And especially for a kickoff match with AJ. Like, it felt like everything you would have expected from an AJ-Cedric match. And then it just ends. Like, yeah. Cedric doesn't get a comeback. It's just <laughs> phenomenal forearm, styles clash. And I think it especially hurts Cedric because... Styles already hit the Styles Clash on the floor, dragged him inside to go for the cover before picking him back up. So it leaves you thinking that the babyface is going to get a comeback at the very least, even if he doesn't win. Cedric got none of that. It was just AJ from, from that point forward until the end. Beyond the end, way because Anderson oh, yeah. and Gallows come down and they just beat him down further. Like this was screaming at you. That win meant nothing on Monday absolutely nothing mm -hmm. i thought this was just a clear sign aj's the guy cedric is not and i would say by the end of this show like if these two had had 15 minutes this might have been the match of the show yeah. but they didn't have the opportunity to do it i was really enjoying the time they had but to me it made it all the more disappointing and booking wise i mean it was i don't get it because they've been so protective of cedric up until this point they've been booking him strong up until this point i, so. I think cedric is right in the same place as buddy murphy like we yeah. give you a win but then we immediately take it away and yeah it's too bad especially I, with it being charlotte you know this was oh his they, hometown on top of it which they, they made a point of in yep. the commentary yeah i feel really bad for the people that are in charlotte after this we'll show. have a debate on which which hometown star was uh handled yes. worse on this show because man it's a neck and neck so uh yeah, that's, I mean, there's... I wonder if they were cut for time. You know, I wonder if, like, some... <laughs> the some dude, show, it just breathed by away. How could you not find the time? The video package went long. Again, it's like, if you're putting this on the kickoff, I, I don't know. It's, this could have easily, to me, been swapped for any number of matches on the main card. Obviously, they could follow up with, with giving Cedric something tomorrow. But, I mean, you figured they would do it. And it, it, Raw's not in Charlotte tomorrow, is it? No, no, they're not. So, still. you figure they would do something for Cedric in his hometown if he's going to get something over AJ. And yet, after a win like this, like completely clean, it almost feels like it, you're burying yourself out of the hole that you put yourself in by. Go I'm not fine. I'm fine with going with a dominant win for a champion. Like that's fine if AJ doesn't have a hot program. But I would question like Cedric. You could see he was th there was something coming out of Monday, and it just felt well. We're going to extinguish whatever that was. I would at the very least expect them to put up a bigger fight, and that's not what this. That match was, was it. I mean, he was made to really look like like an enhancement talent in this, like a very talented one, but. Um, this is a very one-sided match. So then we go on to the main show, and it kicks off with the Raw tag title match with Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman against Dolph Ziggler and Robert, not Bobby, Roode. Oh, it's, it's Robert. Man. It is Robert Roode. Okay. I just have always called him uh, Bobby. But um, you hear any names for Ziggler and Roode? Not really. That's a tough one. There was um, Rudolph was one I saw. Um, okay. I was thinking maybe funny. since we got the stand-up, uh, we could get the the old beer money chant with funny money. Funny money. Funny money. You know, why not? Maybe they're just going to be Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. <laughs> uh, Rollins and Strowman worked together against Ziggler. They had the audience behind them. Uh, Ziggler then landed a jumping DDT on the floor, so they took over. And it was a lot of Rollins selling and then building up to finally tagging Strowman after a Falcon Arrow was delivered. Strowman just uh, ran wild, but then ran wild into the post with his shoulder and avoided a glorious DDT. And this is I, I always like just laugh at this when they the guy is selling for minutes on end, 
finally makes the hot tag. The guy runs wild and he tags the injured party back in within 60 seconds. And Rollins is right back in and his yeah. health meter is at 100 all of a sudden. Well, the apron gives you magical powers. It, that ring rope, clearly there is something there to, to that. So Rollins is right back into this and he hits Rude with a super kick. Uh, the stomp gets stopped by Ziggler on the floor. Rollins gets hit with a spine buster. And then Strowman's shoulder tackle knocks Rude into Rollins. And Strowman takes Ziggler to the floor. Rude capitalizes with Rollins uh, from falling down and hits the glorious DDT. And Bobby Rude, Robert Rude, pins Seth Rollins in 9 minutes and 36 seconds. So Rude and Ziggler are your new tag champions. And they get them off of Rollins and Strowman and have the um, miscommunication to lead to some dissension between them yes i think the finish any wrestling did, did fan... you get that subtlety way i mean we talk about glow and kind of the subtext <laughs> but man i really like that that kind of just very you, very you, subtle you figure after 20 years of using the same angle they would throw maybe a wrench in it and maybe change it up somehow you know maybe don't not have like have them keep the titles getting to or something but no it was the exact same cookie cutter type of thing that we've seen for years now with with this i and even beyond that i thought the actual in-ring was really just standard WWE style tag team stuff. Um, I overall, I just have a huge feeling of like unimportance for these tag team titles, especially with an angle like this, where they're really just being used as a background device to lead up to the main event and coming, coming out of this match. How much heat do you really feel like it added to that main event? None, none. Like you iced your tag team titles in your entire tag team division for a whole month so that you can get that little bit of extra animosity between these two that you could have achieved in a backstage segment. They kind of like lessen the impact afterwards because we go backstage and Strowman blames Rollins saying he's the one who lost the match and blames Rollins, which makes sense of what you want that finish to accomplish. But then right before the main event, Rollins is interviewed and said, no, we both lost. And I have a lot of respect for Strowman and consider him a good friend. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think the point perhaps is they want to have Rollins give like the, the good guy, you know, like taking taking his responsibility for the loss, but also like showing respect, like like what an actual athlete would do. But you're right. It kind of takes takes the edge off of what I just don't. I think to your point, I don't think this meant anything in no. the main event. It gets and it gets the tag titles back onto a lower rank and file performers that it's like it's back to where the tag titles are slotted which is middle of the card so so what was the history did gallows and anderson have it first wait did, did they win it off the revival yes i think we went revival gallows and anderson rollins and Strowman, didn't we maybe i think that's our Man, chronology just, ugh. anyway it's all over the place these tag titles are, are not over um so afterwards we have the mat we have the interview with Rollins and then Kayla is with Becky Lynch and she disagrees with Strowman's prediction that Rollins would lose the title to him tonight and she asked if Sasha Banks has what it takes to be great and not when she was in NXT and not four years ago when she was a champion she says that she's already proven what she can do over the past year and Becky lists off all the accolades and contrast to what Sasha has done over the past year which is dyed her hair she, i thought a great promo great lines from becky here at least we're consistent about these tag titles mean nothing <laughs> uh on that note uh the chronicle i don't know if you had a chance to catch any of it with sasha banks i saw like the first 10 minutes it's really good so yeah cool. they just put this out on, on saturday so maybe we'll have right. a chance to uh talk about it I, I did see uh the the chronicle as great. well so awesome. um she added that tonight 
the man comes around, which hopefully the estate of Johnny Cash doesn't hear about. Jeez, man. I know. Maybe uh, maybe Becky Lynch is going to be, be having to hire some representation. Or the WWE will. Bailey versus Charlotte Flair. Huge stakes here. SmackDown women's title. Charlotte's in her hometown. I mean, really setting the seeds for a true classic. Flair immediately hits the running boot so hard that I am convinced she listened to our show. And she hit this multiple times. And it seems her new strategy is just go. Just just run. No no, no room for any missed uh, space. Bailey just retreats to the floor. Byron Saxton then mentions Charlotte Flair's past record of championship matches on pay-per-view, giving me confidence that Byron Saxton may be a cafe member. <laughs> Flair then ran her into the barricade several times and then attacked her left knee. And it was weird. It was like Bailey was the one heavily selling and Charlotte was the aggressive one. It was kind of like a role reversal, even though the crowd was more with Charlotte. Um, it, you could tell their thinking going into the finish, but yeah. So Bailey is selling the knee in the corner, and you don't notice it, but she has removed the bottom turnbuckle pad. Uh, and she draws in Charlotte and nails her into the exposed buckle and pins her out of nowhere in, wait for it, three minutes and 44 seconds. And she sprints to the back with the title like she had just won the 24-7 belt. Oh yeah. my god, did this suck. I... I didn't necessarily hate it, uh, but hear me out. You know, if sure. I was from Charlotte, I think I'd be pretty miserable. You know, not only did Cedric, uh, that Cedric AJ match not really kind of live up to expectations. It wasn't given time. Cedric didn't even win. Charlotte, of course, you know, the hometown favorite, the big star coming out of the this, uh, this city. You would expect to have, you know, a good maybe like 10 minute plus match with Bailey. Uh, maybe with the title switch, but even without a title switch, at least a good match, I think would be, uh, you know, uh, the least that, that I think you would expect. But here we, we did not have that. We had a very short match. Uh, I think, you know, having Charlotte be given the advantage was because they wanted Bailey to be the cowardly heel who cheats now to win and shortcuts her way. Like in that sense, I like it because it develops Bailey's character further. You know, it just kind of cements her status as a heel. Uh, having her run away, to me, that's just kind of very typical heel stuff. If you're a fan, though, expecting a, a great match coming out of this from from somebody from Charlotte, I, I think you'd be pretty disappointed, though. I would just say going into this, if you're going to look at, you know, what are what are the matches you're most looking forward to? And here we are at like 7.15 p.m. and you fucked me on two of them so far. Yeah. And I think that that's well. That's different for everybody. Some people might have been looking looking forward to this match. Some some people, I wasn't really looking forward to it. Honestly. I think the the match was what I was looking forward to between these two. And I would say, I think bad finish for for the market that you're in. But on top of it, like it hurt to me the overall show as well when you're doing uh, finishes like this. And I think that there are more creative ways to do this than only giving people a sub four minute match between these two right. after we just got a five minute AJ match on top of it. Right. And I think that just this really did deflate the crowd for a large part of the show it was just the early portion. And like we got to me like a, a pretty dead crowd throughout. There were spurts later on, mm -hmm. but I think they really struggled throughout the first, I would say, three quarters of the show. Um, so where does this lead? Uh, rematch, I would think. You know, I don't think this ends. Uh, Bailey stuck by. 
I don't think it's a Hell in a Cell worthy match, but you know, some 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 type of rematch for sure. It's also, I mean, these programs that they're extending, uh, they did confirm that the draft is happening October mm -hmm. 11th and 14th, as we had reported, and right. they are going. Some of these programs, like they may have to quickly qu yeah. fi fi uh, finish them, and no matter where they're kind of earmarking people for, we know how that can switch up until the last minute, and they may have to finish this program quick if they're not going to the same brand right. as well. So that's something to take into consideration for all of these. Big E and Xavier Woods versus The Revival for the SmackDown tag titles. Woods is wearing a brace on his left knee, and The Revival got the advantage on Big E and, again, cut off the ring and built up to Xavier Woods getting the hot tag. And when he came in, uh, he went nuts on Dawson and Wilder. He then gets kicked in the bad knee, and the Revival double-team Biggie on the floor, hitting a shatter machine, and they chop-block Xavier Woods' knee and hit a shatter machine. Um, but instead of going for the cover after the shatter machine, they remove his knee pad and then tear his tights apart to sh to expose... Like, he's got a knee pad already over this, so it uh, didn't exactly expose the knee. But Dawson applies the Indian Deathlock... And Xavier has to tap out at 10 minutes and two seconds. And at this point in the show, we are getting a heel heavy show. And Xavier has to tap out. And the story here that Woods came in with the injured knee, they exploited it. And Biggie could not help his partner because he was laid out. Perhaps an indicator that the revival might be going over to SmackDown. Whatever that means, it doesn't. doesn't they haven't matter. explained yet where, like, the belt situation, like, if you have a brand specific title. Are you earmarked for that show? You would assume so, but yeah. yeah. I would have to think so, but it doesn't matter, honestly. But, you know, because the Revival and Randy are a great great pairing right now, it kind of makes sense. I guess you would put the Revival on SmackDown if Randy's going to stay on SmackDown. Um, I, I I would say uh, I thought the match was good, um, but honestly, I'm even having trouble thinking back about about it right now. It didn't leave a, a huge impression There was a lot me. of that on this show. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts, John? Um, I got the story. I think this was below the expectations I had for a New Day revival match. Um, I, I thought it was average at best. Like it was, it was kind of there. Um, technically good, but um, the audience really wasn't into it all that much. Dawson then cut a promo saying the titles are no longer covered in proverbial pancake batter, and the people are revived. Wilder said, "No more stupid trombones or hip swivels. The old school has quieted the new noise." And then they predicted Randy Orton beating Kofi Kingston for the title later tonight. Charlie was with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and they stopped as a boom microphone came into the shot, and it was being held by R-Truth with Carmella as they were in disguise. And Alexa took the boom mic, and apparently this had a whole speaker system in the locker room because she was able to announce that R-Truth is here backstage. Meaning the people could hear this, but they weren't actually watching the pay-per-view so that they could clearly see where this guy was. Yeah. So I was more so confused with the notion that uh, Alexa Bliss is being an asshole to R-Truth, but is getting set for her babyface match because this is a babyface night for Bliss and Cross. I think, they, I think they've done a really bad job with Alexa Bliss in particular. I think, you know, Nikki, we kind of know where she stands. She's a clear babyface, but with Alexa, I, I feel like... The whole story of her befriending Nikki, we're led to believe she was using Nikki this whole time. 
And then all of a sudden, they're just straight up baby faces. I think that's been relatively kind of forgotten about or maybe just slightly mishandled. They also, oh. it, whether this was by design, let's uh, give some credit, or this was a complete fluke, which I'm more likely to believe, you did have a tool to explain or cement these two as baby faces by coming out and stating we knew the dark side of Bailey and no one believed us, but here's this bitch. And she has mm. now shown her true colors. Now, is that more of an I told you so heel thing? Though? No, I'm being a dick in how I'm explaining it. But there was oh, the okay. way for them to be able to say that they warned everyone about Bailey because they've seen the side of Bailey that now the world is getting to see. And that could at least uh, speed up their at least could sure. like establish them as baby faces. But, but the other thing is, I'm not so sure Alexa and Nikki are even staying baby faces. I think I think they want them to be able to flip based yeah. on the opponents. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just leaves them in this kind of weird this weird area where i i don't think people necessarily love or hate them it's mm -hmm. just what, how am i supposed to feel tonight yeah so tonight it was mandy rose and sonia deville who had uh uh shamed nikki cross with uh because of her looks mm -hmm. that was our ba our build up for this yeah, bliss terrible. bliss also brought out her harley quinn look Yes, uh, and I want to talk about this like terrible entrance music they have for Fire and Desire. Like, yeah, they, where it's the one where they play one into the other. They're like a proper tag team at this point. They they've been together for like years. They have a name, Fire and Desire. Great. I mean, rather than you know come up with a new theme for the both of them, or even just picking one over the other, they continue to do this thing where they just like lazily crossfade from one song to another, <laughs> back and forth, multiple times throughout the entrance. Like, why do you do that? They did it with Asuka and and Kyrie Sane, and it's just like, is is it that important to have both women's songs played at the same time? And if you're gonna do that, why not have one person come out and then the other person come out with their song? But instead. <laughs> The idea is, why not lay both songs over top I was going to say, what if they played them simultaneously? Simultaneously, yeah. One si uh, left and right speaker, why not? It's just, it'll sound just as stupid. Nikki started moving her hips around, doing Mandy Rose's mannerisms. And I'll say this, like, this was where the crowd, to me, they were very down here, but they did get into Nikki cross spots yeah, at, at different sure. points. So midway through the match, all the 24-7 idiots run down. R-Truth is in the ring, and Alexa goes for a roll-up on R-Truth, who kicks out and then leaves through the crowd with Carmella. And that was that was our 24-7 involvement of the night. And they they said the all titles had to be to be defended, and that was kind of their justification for this. Yeah. Um, I guess that was I, their way to uh, force sucked, feed this dude. one. It sucked. Like, this whole thing has... They should have done the 24-7 stuff on the watch-along. Yeah, great. Sure. Same great people over there. I mean, or the kickoff. You know, like that's kind of what we didn't that... have time on the kickoff way. It was a very tight 60 minutes we had. Yeah. Uh, I, I just feel like it's it's really kind of run its course, you know, like I the... think on TV it has. I think this is your PR thing that you can send and do stuff on location mm -hmm. when you're doing events outside that you can show highlights of. I think there's a great function for it. But in the body of the show, I'm with you. I think it's really run its course, but there's certainly a value to this I, this stupid stuff. For title. sure. I, but I think, the, you know, if you're going to go the comedy route, I think the, the demands for creativity are, are much higher. If you're not going to give us, you know, a hot match, like, I think you have to stand out with your great ideas. And to me, this was just the same type of spot we've, we've seen for months now. They double teamed Alexa and just kept her away and then finally built up to the, t the hot tag with Nikki Cross. And it's like... I don't mean to come down on this match, but it's it's like the third tag match where it's the identical story. Like we sure. can have many different tag match styles. You can have a heavy card of tag matches, but this was just yeah. 
cut the ring off, build the heat. There was no heat, hot tag, minimum comeback, and wash, rinse, repeat. And this was the third, and this is like, we're not even halfway into the show, and this is our third tag match like this. Honestly, come to think of it, I feel like it's like, the tag matches on this show are a big part of the reason, in my opinion, why I think the energy was so low throughout the night. Having to sit through essentially the same style of match that we've seen every single week now with teams and belts that are not not important at all. So if they were going to cut time for any matches, I kind of wish it was these ones and not Charlotte or the AJ match. Rose and Bliss did a double knockout spot and then Cross is tagged in, um, hit this awkward suplex and then Rose and DeVille hit their their high-low deal with the flying knee from Rose and the leg sweep from DeVille. Cross returned, sent DeVille to the floor and hit a swinging neckbreaker off the top onto Mandy Rose and pinned Mandy in eight minutes and six seconds. Um... I thought they had to overcome quite a lot here. A bad crowd, the 24-7 stuff being, again, like the the repeat of a similar formula we've seen twice already. Uh, but my expectations were low. I thought the match was fine. I didn't think it was it was awful. Um, but again, this was, to me, this was a pretty bad show by this point for your monthly pay-per-view. And it's like just being matches. Like that doesn't cut it for me at this point. Yeah. I thought the match was fine. Um, I... I, I never quite got into it, though. Um, Is there anything on this show you would recommend someone so far? Because it wasn't for So me. far, no. So like, far. By the like, end of the night, maybe. But, like, so far, honestly, no. Like, no. AJ Cedric. It, no. If you got five minutes? I wouldn't recommend a four-minute match with a shitty ending to, so the, to somebody. So, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, we really wouldn't. Um, I also was really turned off by the commentary here. Like, it was just, like, the constant craves, Renee, Cole, like, yelling mm-hmm. at each other over shit. So it was just not really a segment that I was that interested in. So this was going to pick us all up. Shinsuke Nakamura and The Miz for the Intercontinental title. The match you and I way have just been been counting down. Actually, at the, there was a point in the show. I don't know if I was quite there yet. It was mm-hmm. probably during the Randy Orton-Kofi Kingston match that I started scrolling through uh, scrolling through GIFs. Of what I was going to send you to convey my... GIFs. Bo- hey, I thought you were on my side. Oh, I'm GIFs. GIFs, of course. Watch GIFs. No, you, and I was I was just want. scrolling through board board gifs, <laughs> but then I didn't want to color Way's opinion by exposing mine to him, so I didn't send it to you. But then later I went back to it, and that was that, that was what got me. You through wouldn't have really this. colored my opinion. Don't worry. Yes. Uh, so Nakamura and Miz, Sami Zayn comes out. He's wearing a neck brace, selling the Undertaker's choke slam, and felt he was disrespected on Tuesday. So he cut the promo, and then they showed the clip. Yes. Did that feel odd to you? Like, if you didn't watch SmackDown, you wouldn't know. Like, wouldn't wouldn't those two things? Shouldn't they play the clip and then? Yeah. Yeah. This Whatever. Small it, thing. It gave me mental whiplash. Uh, Zayn had the hot mic as the match began, and I thought this was going to go the whole match. And thank God they cut this mic off after sixty seconds. He had some funny lines, but this didn't have to go any longer. This would have killed the match. Do if you it think? Went- do you think it might have been a uh like a call then to cut him off? I don't know. Um, man, I can't imagine I they, they thought this guy could just freestyle for nine and a half minutes. Right. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can. I feel like they've done it with, like, you could tell this is like a thing, like a Vince thing. Because he's tried it with Leo Rush. He's probably tried it with other people I can't think of right now. But it's just, I, it, I don't think it ever works. I think it would have died to go nine and a half minutes. I didn't think it was, like, needed. Because the crowd just checks out that much more yeah. when they're listening you to somebody. You can't pay attention to the match. No. And the, the two guys, like, Miz felt like an idiot here as Zayn is, like, burying his offense and everything. Yeah. Um, 
this match, there was a moment in this match when Miz is hitting the shit kicks on Nakamura and they look as they're named. And I'm just sitting back and I'm watching the crowd lightly chant, let's go Miz, as he's hitting these kicks to Shinsuke fucking Nakamura (laughs) and just thinking like, where am I? If I was in a coma for five years and woke up to this visual, I'd just go back to sleep. Oh, so you're in an alternate reality. It was just so bizarre. Like if you are just watching this out of context, like what has happened here? <laughs> so anyway, Miz avoided a Kinshasa. He snapped the leg of Nakamura, worked on a figure four, but Nakamura got to the rope. Zayn distracted Miz, allowing Nakamura to hit a Kinshasa to the back of the head and Miz kicked out. So he set up for another Kinshasa, but it got countered into the skull crushing finale Zayn then distracted the referee so Miz could not get the cover. And hey, the crowd was upset at Miz not getting the pinfall here. So they did care. Miz then chased after Sammy and ran into a kick from Nakamura, threw him into the post, and then a Kinshasa in the ring. And Nakamura won in 9 minutes and 33 seconds. I felt the crowd did get behind the Miz by the end of the match. By the end, they did. Towards the end of the match as well. You know, I personally... I, I just felt like it was like any other gimmicky WWE match with like that same homogenized WWE style with from both The Miz and Shinsuke Nakamura, who I think over, over the course of his tenure on the main roster has become that type of wrestler. Like these two to me are, are, are not that far apart at this point. But, you know, the crowd got really behind it. They're chanting, chanting loudly for The Miz. They even reacted, I would say, to the to the Zayn stuff, you know, with, with some He had some reaction. funny lines. So... Not my style of match, not my type of TV, but like it, it, I'm sure they would consider this somewhat of a success. Yes, I guess if you're, <laughs> if you're grading on, on that curve, perhaps. Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's title. Um, now, this match, this the audience cared. And this was not a case of yeah. the women just like building the audience up. Like from the get-go, they were pretty hot. They saw this as a big match. I think they saw this as one of the biggest matches on the card. I agree. Uh, like they had a certain electricity. This was a match they had come to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Sasha, I think uh, her her sabbatical has kind of, and, and her refreshed look and her refreshed attitude have really kind of coated her with a, uh, uh, like way more interest than usual. I thought you were going to go with a, with a, a fresh coat of no. hair dye. Banks escapes the disarmor early on, and that seemed to be a pattern we saw throughout the show of, like, big hot finishers early on to kind of just grab everyone's attention. They, they did this several times. They do it with the Rollins match later. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so Banks uh, goes to the floor uh, and avoids, and then she leaped off the turnbuckle and got drop kicked down by Lynch. Uh, Banks and caught her with the bank statement. Lynch fought it and escaped, hit a Bexploder. And Lynch then applied the disarmor. Banks got her foot onto the rope, and Banks hit a backstabber coming off the turnbuckle, hit another, applied the bank statement, but Lynch moved her shoulders for a cover and got broken away at the ropes. So Sasha grabs a chair, and she tosses it into the ring, thereby distracting the referee as she gets another chair, nails Becky with it into the chest, and then nails a shining wizard, and this got a huge near fall. She got the chair again, and the referee took it away. Lynch grabs the chair. She swings, misses Sasha, and takes out the referee. And I don't know if the camera caught this, but I think Becky then pulled out a gun and shot him. God. Because he was down for like (laughs) 10 minutes from this chair shot to the shoulder. Yeah. This was ridiculous. It It was ridiculous how dead this guy was for this amount of time. 
from the chair shot. Okay, our, what what is kind of our base level though for like what a wet referee can withstand? Because not the same spot we're just watching these women hit each other with, and then he takes and he's lifeless. But we see referees go down from less, not for that much time. Okay, they go down from just like being bumped, and they go down for like minutes, and they can't get back up. A chair shot you would deduce would be you know ten to five times maybe more more harmful than that. It's it's probably tough to believe in in 2019, especially in a match, I guess, with, you know, women and and a male referee. Um, but we're kind of led to believe that a chair shot is like at this point for a refer for an official like I don't death. It, it had no it had no bearing on me, like female, male th- swinging it. But we're watching these women hit each other with this chair yeah. and withstanding it. And yeah, but they're trained like, athletes. The referees are... I don't know how you train to take referees, trauma. Well, they're just stronger. They're superstars. They're athletic. They can withstand a great deal of punishment. Okay. Way, if I was 300 pounds yeah. of muscle, okay? Mm-hmm. Imagine that. I know it's not hard to believe, but imagine. <laughs> and I hit you in the arm. I don't know if you'd lose consciousness. You know what I mean? You'd be in pain. Right. It would hurt. But I don't know if you'd lose... You would, like, check out. Well, To I- the arm. Okay, sure, but I mean, you're are you t- saying me, telling me that the referee shouldn't have gone down at all? Like, I think this is re- we're talking about pro wrestling referee logic. Their physiologies are very different from your typical human being. Okay, number one, Corey Graves brought this up, so it was introduced on the broadcast. Number two, I think you do have to respect your officials to a point that if he's going down. Are we then going to do a eight minute trip around the arena? And I guess it doesn't matter at, at any point because, uh, as as they mentioned, Becky was already DQ'd by the time that they got back. She was DQ'd while they were still brawling around. While this poor guy was still out, and nobody cared about this guy. This guy was Did just they left show on his him own. out like at the end of the. Oh, the when match? they came back, he was still out. Okay, that's when Graves pointed it out. When they returned, he was lying what down. I've watched enough wrestling for me to like suspend my disbelief to think that this dude was dead from this chair shot. Well, he went down and he was lifeless. So they brawl all the way th- up up the steps in the crowd. The disarmers applied through the railing. Sasha's tapping. They go through the concourse. Then they make their way all the way back to the ring. They're fighting ringside. The announcers explain that the match has ended. Becky was disqualified, but the crowd doesn't know this. No bell has gone off. And then Becky uses the chair on Sasha, applies the disarmor through it, again banks taps, and the officials come in to separate them. And I think there was like a minor uh, disappointment from the crowd that it was ending like this. But this was such a good match that I think this, unlike the last match, you were getting a shit finish, but they gave you enough that no one complained about this. Mm-hmm. I thought this was clearly the best match of the show so far by leaps and bounds. And I thought they did a great job of this seems clearly building to a Hell in a Cell match. The way that the ring could not contain them. And I I don't know that for a fact, but that really seems to be the obvious return matches in three weeks. That would make sense. I Absolutely. thought this was really strong. Really good. I did too. And I agree with you. I think if you're going to do a non-finish on a big show, you better make sure that the match is great and that you give the crowd something spectacular that was worth their time. And I think they did that here. You know, the buzz was already very big for this match. And I thought the intensity was completely carried along with the in-ring work between these two. And they I helped elevate Sasha it. played a great heel. Yes. Yes. I found it very entertaining and it elevates my interest for the feud overall. Yes. So very strong match uh, from these two and presumably uh, building to a Hell in a Cell match. Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton followed this. 
and they played an ad for a new video game called Gear 5 featuring Dave Bautista in it. And it was appropriate that this match was presented by this gaming title because I don't know if they ever got out of first gear in this match. Oh. Orton, Orton got the heat by elbowing him in the face. He then snapped Kofi's neck on the top rope and drove him to the barricade. Vertical suplex on the floor, dumped him onto the announcer's desk a pair of times. And then Kingston got a reprieve by drop kicking Randy's shoulder. And then Kofi gets sent shoulder first into the post, then the steps. The audience, I, I thought this was a smart move by Randy. There was a light Kofi chant, and then Randy just milked it by staring down everyone. And it, the chant grew, uh, but it did not sustain. Kingston fought back. Trouble in Paradise gets blocked with a backbreaker. Kingston's then sent to the floor, and Orton is grabbing his ankle on the floor as Kofi hits the trust fall. Blocked an SOS, drop kicks Kingston. Then there was an eye poke in here. Kingston hits the SOS, only gets a two count. Audience did not react to this as a finish. Orton then fires back, power slam, draping DDT, sets up for the RKO, and Kingston rolls up Orton to block the RKO for a two count. And as Kingston is staggered, he walks into an RKO, but gets his foot onto the bottom rope. Crowd did react to the RKO, and then Orton teased the punt kick. Kofi moved and then ducked and hit the trouble in paradise out of nowhere and pinned Randy Orton in 20 minutes and 49 seconds. This was a very long match, and... I thought it was boring as hell. It was... I thought it was boring, more boring than their last match that these two had. This it, one had a finish, uh, but it, you know. I, I think two, two shows in a row, like these two, I don't know. This is a championship match, a major match on a pay-per-view, and I'm sorry, this was not like championship level of, in terms of like audience engagement and just... Man, the thing is, I think it's just to me, it's 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 very much your typical Randy Orton pace of match. You know, slow, methodical, little little moves here and there, and then a lot of posturing. And I, I mean, I would kind of maybe point it more towards a problem with with this being Randy style rather than it being Kofi style, because I've seen Kofi have matches that weren't like this at all. Um, but if you're gonna go this style, I really don't think you should go this long on a show that I think already started to feel pretty tiring by this point. I, I think the wind did nothing to help Kofi. He sold for 90% of this match. I thought it was too much. Barely snuck by with a victory. Um, and it certainly did nothing to make me want to see a third one. Absolutely nothing. Like the book, if, if this is going to a third match, the, the booking did not do any favors for that. And no one's clamoring for another match between these two. Yeah. I hope they are not doing a cell match and there's no need for one after this. There was yeah. no need. If they're just pulling the plug on this program, I'm fine with that. I'm really disappointed because I thought the build was so strong. Like, how often do you fall into a story with 10 years of history attached to it? So the intensity I was expecting to be far greater for this match. And and really, this is where I can blame Kofi because I've really had a problem with his lack of intensity throughout this entire feud. Uh, and that carries over to this in-ring performance here, too. You know, this is him getting revenge 10 years in the making. And watching a match like this, I don't think he really would have expected it at all. So I was very disappointed by this. Yeah, very long. I just, I, I didn't think it worked for the position they were in. That, I mean, you talk about like big title matches on pay-per-views. Like your your competition is Walter and Tyler Bate. Like oh, that yeah. is what the fan is exposed to. And that becomes kind of the bar that you expect on major shows. And that's, you either meet it or you don't. So, uh one highlight of this was the immediate winning call from Tom Phillips. Who's stupid now? It's a good call. Yeah, I like that. 
the Street Profits uh, give these two men a pair of Emmys because their enthusiasm for this show was stunning. <laughs> They've loved this show. They get paid to be enthusiastic. I was wondering, maybe they were watching the, uh, maybe they watched Bloodsport or the AAA show. They promoted the King of the Ring final tomorrow night. Let's give them credit. The last thing this card needed was the King of the Ring final thrown in here, yes. too. Yes, yes. Uh, that would have been a wasted. A 12th match was not what the show needed. That would have been totally wasted on the show. Montez Ford started singing the theme from The Lion King and then mistook Rafiki with Rikishi yeah. and then got corrected. And King Booker walked in in character. Angelo Dawkins wanted to be knighted so that he could hit on women. And then Booker did his catchphrase to end the segment. Uh, good recap. Yeah, uh, I think he wanted to be knighted so he could be called the Dark Knight. Yeah, well, <laughs> this this was turning into a Dark Knight for me watching this. Oh, uh, this I, I, I I like seeing King, Book- King Booker return. I think I I miss the character. Like he he does such a great job of it. Um, I I I don't hate on this. This was like a nice little bit of way of the, in the top show. fifty things on the show. This was not. <laughs> Making my cut of top fifty things of things I'm complaining about. Trust me, Street Profits, cool, (laughs) cool. This was this was fine, but this was quite a show at this point. Two matches to go: Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan. Late in the show, no disqualification match. Phillips repeated the line that Eric Rowan is a mastermind and a schemer. There is no way he was just by fluke calling him a schemer on SmackDown and again here. So that is just one of, of those lexicon. hit you over the head. Remember, this guy yeah, is the schemer. schemer. Hmm. The schemer. Hmm. Sounds like a guy that like steals the test scores or something and passes them around a class. Wow. They fought around the ring. Rowan charged into the steps as Reigns got out of the way. And then Rowan stopped Reigns. But by the way, we thought that Rowan Roman might be a different one. But when uh, Vic Joseph had to throw from Dio to Humberto Carrillo, Ooh. there was one where he's like, he went from Dio to Carrillo, and I was like, wow, that's the, that's the tougher pivot on this show. Uh, Rowan was in control for a long portion of this, and I don't know if it, if it benefited the match as much with like the heavy Rowan offense at times. He removed the panel on the LED board and dumped Reigns onto it, but when Reigns would show his comebacks, that, that's when the audience responded. He hit a Samoan drop, used the steps, hit a Superman punch for a two-count. I mean... You look at at something like you, you talk about when a guy can showcase fire, and I think that's something that really Kofi Kingston certainly missed in that match. And I think it goes very underappreciated how Roman Reigns can really just spark, and he does it with a variety of opponents and very mm-hmm. consistently as well. Yeah, um, Reigns gets caught on the floor and gets put through the announcer's desk with a power bomb, and then gets hit with a timekeeper's bell as they fight through the crowd and. He gets put through the table with a iron claw. Then Reigns gets thrown onto the stage, and Rowan goes to his new toy, the jib camera. This is becoming his thing. It's his sledgehammer. And Reigns lifts up this giant fucking pipe or something and just nails Rowan with it and then swings the jib camera at him way. And Reigns leaps over on the stage with a Superman punch, and then he sets up for the running spear down the ramp. And he runs... And this boot comes and hits him. I was like, that wasn't Charlotte Flair. And it's Luke Harper. I thought a genuine surprise. Yeah. Uh, Nails Reigns with his boot. They double team Reigns. And Rowan hits the Iron Claw to pin Roman at 17 minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, I'm not going to say this was the match of the show. 
but this one over delivered for me. And I think Eric Rowan, I don't think he hit a home run, but I think he did well enough in a very big role going this long that I think he was deserving of this spot on this show. Sure. I, I thought he hit like a ground rule double. He is deserving of this spot. I will agree with that. Yeah. You know, whether or not I, I feel like this performance kind of, you know, made me want to see him in an extended title program. I don't necessarily feel like he achieved that for me. But, no. but as a supporting cast member, you know, in a semi-main event against the Roman Reigns on a B-level pay-per-view, I, I like him. If, if and, I told you yesterday, these two are going 17 and a half minutes, wow, that's I would have been, that's a bad idea. You're right. Um, yeah. and, it, and maybe it did go a little long. But I, I thought for an Eric Rowan match, I, I thought I, I thought it was good. Yeah, sure. I would say it was an entertaining, you know, plunder match. And again, I think Roman does tremendously with, with bigger guys here. Um, I, it, it wasn't on the level of, you know, your Strowman-Roman match no. or obviously not like a Brock Lesnar-Roman match. But, you know, I would kind of rank it at a level be- below those. I thought uh, the Harper return, I was really happy great to swerve. see. Great Great swerve. And... To me, this seems to indicate a return of the Bludgeon Brothers, which I think is a great, a better use for 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 uh for both those guys. Um, do you think that they stick around with Brian, like, or is that the end, like, or you know? I think that'll be answered at the draft. I think, and, and what's the end result of this Brian Roman th- Roman thing? You need to, you need to um, kind of tie this all together, and I could very well see. I mean, wh- where do you see Reigns being? SmackDown or Raw? I think SmackDown. I think he sticks on SmackDown. Because I think on SmackDown, he's been in the supporting role this whole time since he's been drafted. Like, he's mm-hmm. out of the title picture. Is that the best use of Roman, or are they putting him in a position? Because ultimately, this guy, I would say right now, he's almost... I think he's the most important for Fox. You know, I would I say he... so. And I don't think he can stay in this kind of role in a B program on on SmackDown. So you make him the, the A program and you move somebody else to, to Raw. Possibly. Is what I see them doing. Yeah. You know? No, it'll be interesting what they do. And if they do end up keeping Reigns and Brian together, I yeah. think if they're separating them, you should maybe do that blow off. God, like, so So then you're telling me that Rowan was telling the truth and that Brian had nothing to do with any of those attacks? Maybe. Is that what we're being led to believe? I just don't know how much like to to me like I think Harper actually works really well. I'd love to Harper see and Reigns if they get seventeen minutes, that's going to be a hell of a match. Oh, I, I was just more talking about the storyline. Oh. I'd love to see Harper with Brian as well. You know, I think the three of them as a as a team, you might get a bit of a kind of a, you know Wyatt family comparison. But I want to see Daniel Bryan lead the Wyatt family, and you would have the excuse of who was driving the forklift, Luke Harper. Do you feel that? You know, tonight's return was good. Do you think that this could have been positioned better where he is more dramatically revealed as the attacker? Because you've got a genuine surprise that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people weren't expecting Harper to come back. Yeah. And he could have been under a hood for a whole show and you un- you like, unmask like a, him in the ring. Like a sixth camera angle that catches the other side and reveals. Well, you just you, you reveal, instead of the twin angle, you <laughs> yeah. reveal this guy. And I think they could have done a lot better. Yes. With, with the way they revealed those. What what do you think about Luke Harper being back? And what message do you feel that like for those to forget, this is a guy that went back in April said that he requested his release, obviously was not granted it Mm -hmm. and was just sidelined. He was just sitting there and here's someone that's about to turn 40 at the end of the year. Like you're when you're 39, those days on the sidelines, those add up real quick. 
And I think it's going to be a message to they, a lot of guys that if you are thinking of leaving, you better ride out your deal because we're not you, giving any more Dustin Rhodes or Sean Spears. And you better never get injured because we will tack that on to the end of your contract. A very bizarre practice that yeah. is able to be instituted. You know, at the very least, I'm happy to see Luke Harper at least get back on TV yes. wrestling in front of an audience. If it's in, in the form, I don't think they ever should have broken up the Bludgeon Brothers anyway. You know, so they're probably going to return, uh, you know, whether or not they get pushed. That might I be think a they're in a push role. At least so now too. they are. Yeah, I think so too. Like they're going to be attached to Roman. You've got to do at least a match with Harper and Reigns. Sure. Um, and and if they're all on the same show after the draft, continuing with it. And I guess, yeah, the question is, is Brian's involvement too? Because if these guys are all staying on the same show, you can build up to that Brian match. You don't have to do it immediately. And I think it's actually... Um, you know, the storyline has been very convoluted with the attack, but the pacing of it, like imagine if they had gone to that Brian match at SummerSlam on five, six days notice. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's like, I still feel you can build to that and it doesn't feel yep. as though you've dragged uh, it too long to get to Reigns and Brian. Sure. What would you do with though? I think it all depends. If you're, if they're all staying on the same show, I think you could extend that until Survivor Series potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. So that was uh, the reveal with Eric uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. And then the main event, uh, uh, sorry, first we had uh, the Seth Rollins promo. He loves Braun Strowman. Good friends, lots of respect. And that's our main event for the Universal title. Uh, starts very intense with Rollins attacking Strowman with kicks and a frog splash, but doesn't even get a one count. Rollins hits a pair of springboard knees, then leaped off the top and got caught and driven to the mat. They go to the floor. Strowman charged at Rollins, who sends him crashing through the announcer's desk, and Rollins hits two suicide dives. Strowman gets super kicked onto the Spanish desk, and then Rollins climbs to the top. Strowman stops him, is shoved down, and Roman tries to balance on the, on the top turnbuckle, and I was frightened for this guy. He was just on wobbly legs here. I thought he was just going to crash. And he comes off with this splash and he immediately starts grabbing his knee, which looked to just play into the duration of the match. But this looked frightening with this guy on the top rope. Yes, yes. And kudos to Seth Rollins for taking it. But it looked spectacular. Oh, man. So Strowman comes off with the splash. Uh, He can only get a two count. Rollins then flips over him, hits the stomp. Strowman kicks out before the count of one. He He hits a second stomp. Strowman kicks out at two. Then a third stomp, and Strowman kicks out. And they point to the fact that it took one stomp to beat Brock Lesnar. Strowman is kicked out of three. And Strowman comes back, lifts him up for the power slam, but his knee gives out. I thought a really clever spot to tie into the splash. And Rollins, I've done the stomp. I've got to go deep. What can I do? The pedigree. I howled, dude. I fucking howled. No ripcord knee, no, like, any of his other arsenal of moves. It's the pedigree. And then he hits a fourth stomp. I'm at least glad it wasn't the pedigree that was the the final spot. Mm -hmm. Hits a fourth stomp and pins Strowman. Ten minutes and 54 seconds. A great lesson that your main event doesn't have to go 20-plus minutes. I was worried these two would just go 20 because of the feeling that they needed to. This match was so much better at 11 minutes than it would have at 22. I'm honestly surprised it was only 10. It it felt longer, but in a good way. Like, I felt like I had, you know, uh, certainly my, my expectations worth of, of I thought this was the second-best match on the show. 
Yeah, what would you say was your first? I still put Becky and Sasha at the top, even with that finish. Um, But these two worked like a really intense 11 minutes. Yeah, you know, uh, come to think of it, maybe because this one had the finish, I might rank this one more. But uh, I would say those two were neck and neck for for definitely the best matches on this show. I thought this was good. It was fast-paced, hard-hitting action from bell to bell. I... And I don't mind the finish at all. In fact, I like it. You know, I like the fact that they they gave up the curb curb stomp for this one particular guy. It's Braun Strowman. I don't think it hurts the curb stomp. No. Uh, You know. I I think this was the rare time when it got Seth over with a big title defense. Didn't hurt Braun Strowman. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think it, it, like, it wasn't kind of your, oh, we got to protect the guy that's losing. I think it benefited both in a weird way. Yep. Um, And it was a good match. Rollins is celebrating at the top of the ramp. And they took the the NXT takeover trick. Mm-hmm. They put up the little trademark sign, and you think the show's about to end. And it was great because we're fading to black, but it's not because we're going off the air. The fiend arrives and appears at the top, delivers the sister Abigail to Seth Rollins. Then the lights go out, and again he he is there and applies the mandible claw onto Seth Rollins and. Ends the show, I think, on a pretty high note. The crowd was buzzing at the end for The Fiend, pardon the pun, and sets up our match for three weeks from now with Seth Rollins and The Fiend. Yeah, I th- I really enjoyed the close, you know, relatively, I think, expected at this point, but still cool to see. And I think leaves people ex- really anticipating, I would say, that match uh, coming out of this. So, you know, overall, um, this pay-per-view, I definitely think was a mixed bag, but diff- towards the end of the show, I... I thought the last three matches really saved it. Or what am I thinking? Four. What what are we here? Uh, Basically, Sasha, uh, Roman versus Rowan, I thought was pretty good. And also Strowman versus Rollins. Those matches, maybe I would say, are are, are worth going out out of your way to watch. Uh, Not the Randy Orton Kofi Kingston match, unfortunately. Yeah, I would say those those three matches were kind of the the high point of this show. Um, You know, I, I would say most... I would say two years ago, this is a solid thumbs in the middle show. Today, I don't know if this is thumbs in the middle anymore. The bar is just a lot higher than this. That sure. you're a thumbs down show. It's like we're not getting WCW 2000 pay per views. That's not happening in WWE in 2018. No, no major promotion is putting on those kinds of shows. So, what is your definition of a thumbs down show? Because I think this is the new definition of a, a largely unimportant show. That yes, it did have. You know, I would say two matches that were pretty salvageable on this show. But for your five and a half hours, was this five and a half hours that you felt were well spent tonight? It's tough for me to feel like five and a half hours of me doing anything is is well spent. So is that hot part of the problem? I I watched all out. I didn't feel I, I wasted five and a half hours on this. I I think I got everything I needed that was about under under 90 minutes worth. I yeah. think probably 60 minutes worth, to be honest. What do you think the forum gave it? Well, uh, I'm going to say they it got a failing grade on this. I'm going to say a 3.5 to 4. I'm going to say a 5.3. Wow. Okay. Cool. 5.73 from the forum. Wow. Okay. Well, it gets, it gets a pass. I think the ending really helped. The fact yes. that they ended on that note. Um, and the match. The match was good. The match was good. Yes. Yeah. All so, right. Uh, phone lines are open for everybody that's uh, joining us right now, uh, watching us live. Please call us on Skype by searching for Post Wrestling or on uh, phone 1732-800-4423. Long distance charges may apply. All right. And we'll interrupt the the forum feedback if uh, you are calling in. Brandon from Oshawa writes, first of all, RIP to the ref from the Becky Sasha match. 
poor Robert Roode, in the past pinning the world or universal champion, might have gotten him a title shot. He didn't look at the title, though, so tough luck for him. Do you think they'll do that on TV? Bobby Roode gets a pin on Seth Rollins. Is that played up along? No. Just as a Raw match. I'm not saying a pay-per-view. I just, it should, actually. Uh, it should. I just don't see them recognizing it. <laughs> this wasn't a great show. Because or... what's the finish? You have Seth kill Robert Roode? Yeah. He's only a tag champion. <laughs> yeah. What, what does it matter? How good is Beats him with a stomp in point? two minutes. Hi there, uh, caller. You are on the line. What's up? What do you think of Clash of Champions? Oh. Hey, uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Hey, this is uh, Jay from Colorado. Hey, Jay. Um, you know what? I, you know, above, you know, you were you were talking about how, you know, where the bar is now. And I felt like this was slightly an above average show. Above average? Um, okay. I, I wasn't really looking forward to it, but there was a few things that really got me marking out. Um, one of them was Luke Harper coming back. That's been a Luke Harper's treatment has been a real sore spot with me. And uh, a couple of days ago, there was this rumor coming out that Vince McMahon was just going to make him sit out the rest of his contract. And it got me really raised and upset. But thing and come out tonight was a genuine surprise. And uh, that's why I watch wrestling is to be genuinely surprised. Um, the Fiend uh, coming out at the end, we all kind of knew that was coming, but it just feels so special. And and I love that. Um, I remember as a kid watching The Undertaker and, and how fe- how special he felt. And, and uh, you know, it, like I said, it wasn't a surprise, but it felt super special. And the, and the last thing that was just – that just I really loved tonight was when Becky and Sasha went out into the crowd, there was a little girl with uh, I Am The Man shirt who was just marking out so bad. She was just – it was like the greatest moment of her life. And, you know, I, my daughter's 22 now, but when, when I was grow, when, when I was younger during the attitude era, I would always try to get her into wrestling. And it was always so difficult because there would be brawn panty matches and mud wrestling matches. And it was just like, you know, I don't, I don't feel good about this, but, but seeing this, seeing, seeing little girls just, just be so into this, it just, it makes me feel really good because it really makes me feel like this is more accessible. And just a few moments after that, they went up the uh, arena and there was a little boy um, up the stairs who was kind of rolling his eyes at the two of them. And, um, and, uh, and Becky, or maybe Sasha threw Becky into the railing and the little boy just like, he, the look in his eyes was like, oh my God, did that really happen? And he looked up at his dad and he said, do you think she's okay? And, and that right there, I'm like, my God, I, I, I love to see kids be sold on it because it takes me back to the 80s when I was just so sold on it. So, so you know, all in all, you know, like I said, an above average night, but there were some key moments that really brought it home for me. Jay, would you say you're a fan who maybe kind of watches wrestling more so for like moments like that, that, you know, kind of take us back to like that, you know, a time when we're just watching as kids, not necessarily working, watching for work rate or like, you know, the, the, the idea of like a bell to bell match being, being, you know, uh, a, a star rated type of match. Uh, is that kind of what you maybe more so get out of wrestling? Um, I wouldn't say it's more so, but it's one of the things. I mean, it's a, it's the same reason I still read comic books at 42 years old, or maybe I'm 41. I don't remember these things, but it's the same reason I read comic books and play video games because because there there is that that kind of that kind of um, that connection to my youth. 
where where you know it's like oh there's still some magic out there and there's still something that's going to surprise me and and bring me back to that um but but all in all you know i i still watch it for you know the pure wrestling i'm i'm a technical wrestling guy at the very end of it and uh and while there wasn't a much, a lot of that um I, I I do you know I I am in it for the stories I am in it for the surprises and 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 you know this was a pretty good night on that. Thank you very much for your call. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Take care. Bye. Uh, I think we shall uh, attempt to continue with the phone calls. And if you don't get uh, through to us right away, please continue to call us back. Uh, actually, John, why don't you finish that feedback if you got some? All right. Brandon continues. This wasn't a great show or a horrible show. It was just sort of in between. Best match was Rollins and Braun, followed by Kofi and Orton. Best moments were The Fiend and Luke Harper. We hear so much about how Vince loves big men. Why does he do such a terrible job booking a lot of them over the past 20 years? Big Show, Cesaro, Braun Strowman, who are either big or just look like they'd be his typical guys. They've all been booked like garbage. How is Strowman not a world champion yet? I don't get it. This guy should be murdering Seth Rollins. Well, man, it's such a... He books them strong, but I I also feel like if you're a big guy, you don't necessarily need the championship, right? The the stories are typically about the smaller guys trying to defeat the big guy and overcoming the big guy in order to win the championship. The big guys don't always have to hold the title. Do you think Braun Strowman was at a higher point uh, if you're going back a year oh, or two? Absolutely. I sure. think th- I think that there was certainly a time when you could have slotted him in seamlessly yeah. into that championship role, and I don't think he's there right now. Mm, but he is uh, of your baby faces. He is one of the few they have made to a degree over the past three plus years. Let's go back to the phone lines. You're on with post wrestling. What's up? Hey, good evening. How oh, are you, boy? I'm doing very well, Brandon. How is blood sport? Dude, that was awesome, dude. Uh, uh, that was my first experience with it. I mean, live, and uh, I'm so down with it. I hope uh, it's, I don't know if they'll, they'll come around here again, but I mean, WrestleMania weekend. I mean, if I go out there, uh, what, what was I'll the best match of the show? Because I haven't had a chance oh, I, to see it. Oh, I like I like the Corelli Simon Grimm match. That was yeah. pretty dope, and I also I also love Killer Cross calling out Batista. And that was, dude, I popped so hard. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, free kill across, by the way. I hope this guy figures it out and goes somewhere else where he's more utilized and welcome. Because that dude's, uh, I mean. He's a super I mean, talent. He's a really, really talented that guy. Loves, guy. That, that guy's a tank, dude. Oh, my God. His promos are excellent. The videos he puts out are solid. Like, it's uh, it's unfortunate the situation he's in right now that I hope has a resolution. Because that guy is too talented to not be on national television right now. Because he was supposed to be on the Triple A show tonight, right? And, and they just told him to, I guess, stay at the Borgata because he's not welcome at the, the show tonight, right? Uh, what else uh, did you see Clash of Champions tonight, Brandon? Oh, okay. Um, I, just a quick question. Um, uh, with the, uh, I mean, with uh, Rowan and Harper wearing the, the band shirts and stuff like that, uh, is this, is this free advertising for? A future band that's going to be uh, uh, on a soundtrack. On a, are they? Are they? Uh, are they wearing Triple H's gear or something like that? Because I mean, come on, I'm on Omar. That, that's free pub for them. I mean, they're awesome. Do you, do you that? know that band? Are you familiar? Oh, Can you dude, s- edu- educate us on what, what's the name of that band again? That Luke Harper was Amon wearing. Amon What? Amon Omar. Okay. And what type of music Swedish, is it? It's Swedish death metal. Well, wonderful. Yeah. I don't know if they will be uh, playing uh, a pay-per-view theme anytime soon, but maybe. <laughs> Jeez. 
I would okay. love for Rowan to wear an Oka shirt. I'm, all right, I'm out of here. Bye. All right. Uh, everyone, you, you can catch Brandon in uh, three weeks' time. Uh, his his uh, new film, The Joker, is coming out. Phone lines are open, everybody. Um, wide open right now. Uh, let's go to Noah from Vaughn, who says, Great seeing the return of Harper tonight. The eventual Roman versus Harper match should be awesome. It's a shame they keep having Strowman lose in these te- big title matches. He's now 0-6 when the Universal title is on the line. He also comes across like an idiot for not being able to beat a guy so much smaller than him. I love seeing The Fiend end the show off attacking Rollins. How do you guys think they'll handle the feud between Rollins and Bray? Do you think they'll try to get people to be sympathetic for the far less popular Rollins? Because I can't see the fans turning on Bray at the moment. He seems like a huge star. I think that match needs to end with a a big angle and not something where um, one of them gets knocked into an exposed buckle. Um, <laughs> first of all, do you see that match being in the cell? Yes, I do. You do? I, I mean, I see it being in the main event. Of that show for the title with Seth Rollins and The Fiend. I actually think that they'll close with the women because I don't think you're getting a finish with Rollins and Fiend. I don't, I do not see them putting the title on Bray and I don't see them beating Bray. I think it'd be terrible to beat Bray right now. Haven't they actually announced it? It, Yeah. It is for the cell, I mean. It it is in the cell. Uh, They've announced it's at Hell in a Cell. At Hell in a Cell. I don't think they've actually said it's in the cell. Okay. Um, To me, I think the hook. I, I feel like if you're just going to do that match, then why have... I'm why questioning have, why the match is happening. Yeah, why have, why, have, why have Bray in it at all if it was just a standard match? The only reason I could see them wanting a Bray Wyatt match at Hell in a Cell is so you could put The Fiend in the cell. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably know tomorrow night. they got to put that pay-per-view together fairly quickly with a, a three-week yeah. turnaround. But I, I think the handling of that finish is very important. You don't want to have... You know, like the the Bray Wyatt Dean Ambrose finish in that cell, where Absolutely. it's something where you kill the Fiend character <laughs> with have some pro- awful pro- booking. I so, think we, we need a projector. We need some worms. I think it's way too early to be doing this match where he's going I, for the title. I do too. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. You're on with Post Wrestling. Oh, yo, what's going on, uh, Tansy? Hey, Hansi. What do you think of Clash of Champions? Uh, I I thought I, I I pretty much had the same kind of thoughts you guys did in the sense that uh. The beginning of it, like, you know, it was, like, just setting stuff up, like, you know, for, for like, you know, like, non a non-finish and all that. Like, I didn't think it was that great, but the three matches that I was looking forward to, they delivered. I mm-hmm. thought it was cool. I even, like, I even, I, and the room, because you know when these rumors leak out, oh, uh, Bray Wyatt might be feuding with the champion or something like that. You don't know if it's just internet speculation, so I was glad that that came true because, I, I but I just feel kind of weird about the timing because obviously, like you guys just said, you can't beat Bray yet, and I don't know if they're gonna give. Like I wouldn't be, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they uh, you know called an audible and go, you know what, we'll give Bray a title run. I don't know if it'll be a good one or whatever, but I mean, I really think that if you're gonna go that route, you might as well just put the title on him because you can't really have him lose. But before mm-hmm. I go, because I, I don't want to take up too much time, you guys, but. I just want to say the the Sasha Banks Chronicle, uh, really really well done. I really I really I really dug it. Um, I, I as somebody who you know obviously I deal with mental illness, so when she's talking about like the mental illness factor, it really hit it really hit hard a little bit for me. So I thought it was like a really really compelling um, uh, one of their best ones. They they always do amazing job with these chronicles that like like I always wonder why they can't bring this kind of stuff to the actual main product, right? You know what I mean? I don't know if mm-hmm. it's considered canon or not, but I just really dug it. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I 
I thought for this one especially, and maybe because I, I watched it this afternoon before the pay-per-view, like, to me, it is very jarring to watch her in this light and then play such a a different version of herself uh, on the show. And usually I can separate that, but for this one, it was just, it's, like, the, the, the stuff like Chronicle, the 24-7, like, that to me is when they really have these people, uh, there's an attachment to them, there's a, a certain connection there. That I think they struggle with at times on the actual body of the program, and we always talk about that ability to be able to find that that kind of medium ground. But Sasha, I mean, it's very hard to watch that Chronicle and not have a lot of sympathy for her, as also feeling a little bit uneasy about, you know, someone who says that you know this is all they had known, and the idea of signing someone when they're twenty years old and immediately being thrust into this world. Um, you know, for for some people, that that's probably not the healthiest thing. And making sure that she is okay with what she is doing and that she doesn't have these issues and being aware of that. I think what we, we just saw and what we're starting to see and what, what CM Punk really hit on in, in that StarCast panel is really important. And that's scheduled breaks for people. Or it, That was my biggest takeaway from that Chronicle was I'm not saying every single person has to be on this, but there needs to be some kind of of an out for people because mm-hmm. for every Sasha Banks, there are countless people that are just going to keep going and oh, are yeah. just going to repress and not get that much needed mental break. And it's Sasha's lucky. Cause I think she knows she can leave and then come back and her spot's still there. But a lot of people on that roster can't necessarily say the same. Yeah. I well, think yeah. that that's certainly a big subject that kind of comes out of that, like kind of mandating certain breaks for people whether they want them or not it's it's very hard to go to your employer and say i need i need time off because you just there's always going to be that paranoia of my spot being replaced or i I think that especially in this kind of line of work there is no like light at the end of the tunnel like if i just get through this next loop then i get my break then i get kind of just time to refresh like it's it's just non-stop and I, I think it's when you're on that kind of a schedule for that just year after year she it wears also, on you she also talked about the page injury like hitting her really hard especially with online criticism uh sure sure that was not fun at all for her to, 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 to oops <laughs> sorry hansi i guess he got disconnected but um yeah i'm sure that wasn't fun uh like that's something i think too is 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 something that maybe you know i'd love to see wrestlers talk a lot more about how do you manage online criticism how do you manage criticism from the fan base how do you manage just you know like social media yeah yeah i think for a lot of them it's kind of looked upon like you can see when you're when you're dealing with with people that have that amount of following you kind of get clouded by like twitter and it's it's something where I, I think like there needs to be a certain like disconnect. Like when you hear about celebrities that have assistants and stuff running their social media and you think that that's some somehow like, oh, they're not being genuine. It's like, I really understand that. And yeah. maybe having that that separation where you don't necessarily need to be on that. And it is in the grand scheme of things, a very small percentage of people. Anyway, perhaps we'll talk about the the episode of Chronicle a bit more in depth on yeah, double, sure. double shot this week. Yeah, we have a lot to yeah. get to here, but um, let's uh, let's go back to the phone lines. You're on with uh, Post Wrestling. What's up? Yeah, how's it going, guys? Um, my name's Sam from Oswego. Hey, uh, Sam. Hey, Sam. First, first time caller. Um, I actually just signed up for the cafe today. Oh, thanks. Welcome aboard. Double, double. Um, but overall, uh, 
the show was actually pretty good tonight, minus a few things. I mean, of course, the Charlotte match was a complete mess. The way they ended that was actually very depressing. I was actually looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. I actually did very much enjoy the tag team match with the Revival. Um, I've always liked the Revival, but at the end of the day, I mean, you could have done so much more with it. And way you actually responded to my DM on Twitter today about the uh, oh yeah Orton Kingston match. Wonderful. Yeah, hey, uh, Sam, if you don't mind, uh, would you mind just uh, turning off your uh, radio on the background? Yeah, sure. Just it's hit, completely hit. off. Oh, one, okay, weird. Perfect. Now I, I don't hear anything. Uh, so, yeah, you, you messaged me uh, midway through, and you suggested that you you did not get much of a feel for that Kofi Kingston match, and uh, you, you wanted to maybe talk about maybe Kofi's title reign at present and what's, what might be missing from it. Well, for me, it basically feels like he's not even getting a reaction anymore when his music hit the crowd seemed completely dead yeah um but putting him in there with a guy like randy orton who wrestles a small slow methodical pace it kind of leaves you wanting more from a title reign such as kofi's i mean a guy such as you know if you bring back lesnar him and kofi could do something crazy just someone with a more high-paced offense could be more beneficial for a Kofi reign. Well, listen, the Brian match was uh, to me still one of the best matches of the year. We saw how that turned out. Um, you know, I, and and it's strange, like thinking about his program with Orton, because on the one hand, the stuff that's outside of the ring has been so good, and that to me is largely due to Randy Orton. But the stuff in ring has been bad, and to me, that a large part of that is also Randy Orton. So you, you know, I something certainly is not clicking with this Orton uh, uh, Kofi feud. And if they're going to carry it one more month, I feel like they really have to make some type of changes. Yeah, for me, the only change they could totally make is if Orton were to go back to his uh, 2011 days where he's punting everyone's head off. But oh, they're probably not going to be going back. To you that really one. can't do that in 2019. So not. Uh, thank you very much for your call, Sam. Appreciate the call, yeah. Sam. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. See you, man. All right, uh, let's go through a few more here. Let's go to Tyler from Orlando. I haven't watched a pay-per-view live since WrestleMania. This show is decent, but I can't pick one match that stood out to me. Really, I was expecting one of the world titles to change hands, but I'm glad it's not a Braun Bray program. What would you think about Orton and the Revival against the New Day in a winner-take-all hell-in-a-cell match? I guess with all the titles on the line. Um, uh, Revival and New Day? You're not... You're not um, I don't love it. I, I just don't think that it's a pro- program that's hot enough for, for a cell match, you know? You like, can do that six, man. Sure. You can. But it I almost just, feels I, backwards. Like, you've done the big singles matches uh, with Orton and Kofi, and now we're going to a six-man. It just seems like one should have been setting up the singles match. Yeah, yeah. And I think that match would actually, like, help both. Like, it would add a level of star power to the tag team titles, and I think it would add a great deal of work rate to, you know, Kofi versus Orton. But that's that a TV match, a match to me right now. I agree. I don't think it, it would. It could do so, something, though. Like, I think it could be a draw for the cell. Let's go back to the phone uh, uh, one more time. Uh, Neil, you're on the line. What's up? Hi, guys. Hey, Neil. What do you think of Clash? Uh, not very good, I have to say. Um, I, I, I stayed up quite late to watch it. So, it's cause, uh, so if you see Neil from Northern Ireland in the forum feedback... Don't bother reading it. Um, gotcha. I just thought, well, I've stayed up. The, I've stayed up this late. I may as well ring the guys as well because I'm watching the, <laughs> the post show because it's half five over here. But anyway, I, I, yeah, I didn't think it was a great show. I, I largely agree uh, with what you've said, what you've both said. Meet a string of either mediocre matches, just matches that were matches, 
or matches with really crappy finishes, uh, especially, I mean, the Sasha and Becky match. I think it, what happened in ring between the two of them, very good, lots of potential. And then for me, the ref bump, ridiculous. <laughs> and, him, you know, also, though, the the climb up the stairs, which took about, I don't know, it felt like 10 minutes, the concourse fight, and then back down the stairs and then into going, the ring. You know, going to John's point, I think that really is to try to illustrate the, the idea that they'd need to be contained and in, in moving on to Hell in a Cell. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. That's that's the booking. Yeah. But I think it was still a little play, played long. You know, the... See, it's interesting because if you didn't like that, I, 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 I started to think what you might have thought of the rest of this show. Because that was John and I, yeah. what we thought what it was one of the strongest things. Well, I, I thought in the ring they were great, and uh, they do have chemistry. Um, I, I, maybe I'm moaning a little too much. I'm tired, you know. And, but I, I should say that uh, the thing that annoyed me most about that match was that was the was the finish because the ref was unconscious. So how can he di- how can he disqualify somebody? Okay, so, uh, was he unconscious or was he simply so hurt? He was still conscious. Wait, they got back ringside, and he was face down, not moving. Passed out from pain, perhaps, you know? Like, he wasn't necessarily unconscious. Maybe still conscious enough to say, ring the bell. I saw her hit me. DQ her. But I can't get up, and I can't go back to the back. Well, yeah, just in you explaining that, there was a lot of movement there that we were not getting from oh, this man. Listen, sure, it, was, yeah. it was not a big thing, but it was it was notable. And it was to the point that, like, Corey Graves called it out as well. Like, it was, in a, it was a very long period of time. This man was apparently dead. Yeah. Unless he's got psychic abilities or something like that. And he and the... The, the bell ringer or simpatico but it, it was just weird i just thought you know how, uh, you know the uh, i think it was greg was it greg or um mike you know uh, uh, so i have just been informed uh, you know goodbye <laughs> cool thank you very much neil for staying up and listening to us and uh, giving us a ring appreciate it you're very welcome and yeah just one more thing if it quickly the brawn uh for me the main event pardon me the main event Easily the best thing on the show. And yeah, I don't want to see Braun take uh, splashes off the top rope ever again because I, I for, for a moment I thought the knee thing was real uh, and he will destroy his knees if he does that again or fall off on his on his behind or something. But anyway, uh, that's enough for me. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you very much for the call, Neil. Uh, let's uh, carry on with our online feedback. Uh, which... Uh... Which were we Let's last? go to Chris from Pennsylvania next. All right, we got a Chris from uh, Pennsylvania who says a mixed bag of a show. No, none of the undercard matches got enough time to mean anything. So while the first half of the show flew by, nothing really left an impression. Becky Sasha was the highlight of the night as far as in-ring work goes, and the Harper return and Fiend attack were two pretty good angles to keep things moving forward. Between Hell in a Cell, the debut on Fox, and the draft all coming up in the next month, tonight really just seemed to be about getting all the pieces in place for the big shows ahead. Six out of ten. Yeah, and I I could see Hell in a Cell kind of falling into that as well. I mm-hmm. think you have a really interesting main event because you have the intrigue of how are they going to book this match with Rollins and The Fiend. But yes. that show is falling in the midst of a lot of more important things that are in the midst here. And it's kind of this lame duck show before the draft as well. So, so I, they officially announced the draft. Yeah, they announced a draft October the 11th on SmackDown in Las Vegas, which is week two on Fox. And then it follows Monday, October 14th on the Raw from Denver, Colorado. So it would be the SmackDown after Hell in a Cell. Yes. Yes. Got it. Guy in Charlotte 
Uh, he was in the building. It was a very, very good show. The action in the ring was at a quality above what I've come to expect from WWE. The crowd seemed pretty loud at times and only got completely quiet during the middle of the Kofi Kingston-Randy Orton match. Overall, a positive experience. Best WWE show I've been to in a while. All right. So. Awesome. I, I You know, very different, I think, from what we see. Uh, you can experience something very different being there live versus on TV. So Certainly. I yep. completely understand. Uh, okay, we go up next to Brian, who says, Overall, this was a pay-per-view. I do not have a whole lot to complain about. The one thing I do think we have a missed opportunity on is a four-horse woman of MMA versus a four-horse woman of wrestling setup. At the end of the Becky-Sasha match, have Ronda come out and destroy them. Send Bailey and Charlotte out for the save. Get the upper hand on Ronda. Boom. The rest of the four MMA horsewomen co- uh, just come out and lay the beating down. I know we just got the big heel turns from Sasha and Bailey, but that would add so much to the dynamic of the girls coming back together. I think it would be killer, but I'm just one guy. I just don't think the timing works out for that. We also don't know if, if Rhonda is ready at all to make a return. Um, she barely left, you know? And yeah, like Marina Shafir and just, just McDuke, I, I don't necessarily feel might be ready for that spot yet. Yeah, it's also like I I don't see them just doing a one off for that reason if they're not bringing up Jessamine and and all well, of Shana. them and uh, Shayna and of the three that are in NXT, Shayna's the one that's ready. The yeah. other two they need to be in NXT and they probably need to be in NXT for a while. Well, at this point, I think Shayna might stay in NXT for quite a while too. You know, what do you mean is developmental, like or or performance center type of uh, status, right? Because Shayna might as well be in the main roster now. If she's going to stay in NXT. She'll she'll be a future performer. Yeah, it'll it'll depend. I mean, if they if they feel like she's she's hit her like that's the thing with these three brands now. It's that it's the idea that if someone kind of has reached their their peak at one place, you can now move them over to another potentially. And Shayna Shayna's like getting to that point now. She has been this dominant champion. She's worked with all the women. Yeah, and she. At some point, they might feel like she could use a change of scenery and, and put her on Raw. I guess the draft might be an interesting time, whether or not we, you know, we we see her get moved. And actually, Slib Sieber in the chat room has a question for you, John. Yep. John, have you heard if the draft format will be any different from the shakeup? Just find it interesting that they're actually using the word draft in their promotion. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is it's much closer to what we saw in the 2002 draft and the 2016 draft. They've even mentioned that uh, people from Fox and NBC Universal will be coming to make specific picks. So it's not just going to be like music. What? Yeah, like they Sorry, are in storyline or in real life. Like in story, they're going to be coming. It sounds like they're going to have like where they come out and they announce the draft pick. And and you mean like executives from Fox and and personalities? So you're well, probably personalities. Gonna, yeah, okay. personalities. Like you're not getting like no, you're not getting the head of programming. <laughs> you're going to get you know different people like you know a gotcha. Colin Cowherd should, could show up on Fox gotcha. and. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay, so yeah, it'll be like so. Everybody's up for grabs. Nobody's staying on any any particular brand. It's. I mean, they haven't explained it. I would think that the champions are all, but who knows? Who right. knows? They might say that the and how you determine that. That was always the thing with the draft is that if you come out, you want to pick the biggest names, right? Yep. That that was where the superstar shakeup or the randomizer. You could just it anyone could end up on either show if you're doing a draft. Like, there's a certain. Uh, strategy to it of course that why wouldn't you come out and pick the top guys immediately so mm. um they'll probably explain all that i imagine starting on monday they're going to make the big big push now that it was announced and got promotion today on the on the nfl games for this draft so um make a very big deal out of it 
Matt from Morristown, Tennessee. I attended the show tonight. My first ever pay-per-view. I really enjoyed it. I'm so happy that Harper is back and it was amazing seeing The Fiend live. I've seen some people say that the crowd was kind of quiet, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty loud at times. Definitely during the Sasha-Becky match. Definitely during that one. Uh, which was my match of the night. No matches were really great other than that one, although Nakamura Miz was better than expected, and I was surprised how over Miz was in Charlotte. Speaking of Charlotte, the end to the Charlotte-Bailey match was bullshit. I was so confused. I thought I, w- I thought it was a great show. Hopefully it came off well on TV. His question is, even though Sammy excels at being a heel, do you think he's being wasted as a heel? I wish they would turn him back to being a face and give him a push. Listen, I, I think... They've done a number on Sami Zayn, and I think this is almost the best you can hope for Oof. with him at this point. I mean, it's Jeez. it's unfortunate. There was a time this guy was the most over babyface in that company on NXT. You know, I, even as a heel initially, I thought he was doing some pretty interesting work. It's not he's not a guy that I I, I ever want. Like I I think he's way better as a babyface, but he's very talented so that he can make the heel thing work. But this past year, though, he's just been like saddled with like bad gimmick after bad gimmick and it continues to what we see right now where i certainly think uh i think he could do way better than being a mouthpiece for most mouthpiece for shinsuke nakamura there was a great tweet after becky nailed the referee with the chair and kevin owens goes well i guess becky's fired <laughs> uh, they did mention that on the show and i yeah. guess we'll get some follow-up to that on on tuesday sure uh before we get out of here, you want to go over some shows? Yeah, yeah. I just want to go over um, the Destruction show, and then we also got some live notes from someone who attended the uh, the AAA card on Sunday night. So just a quick run through here. New Japan had their Destruction in Beppu card Sunday morning. Uh, it opened up with the uh, the Young Lions Cup. We had a pair of matches. Uh, first off, Carl Fredericks defeated Yota Suji after attacking his back and then applying the half crab and holding it on for a significant period of time. And then uh, the bell rang and he still held on to it. So they were trying to make it seem he was being uh, ultra aggressive here. So Carl Fredericks now has eight points and Yota Suji only has two. So he's kind of uh, in the... Uh, near the bottom. Shota Umino took on Alex Coughlin. Uh, Alex Coughlin, I, I think he's got a really, he's got like a good look to him. He looks like a very young version of um, like Davy Richards. I was exactly going to say. Yeah. yeah. Very much of that kind of build, you know, Dynamite Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not like, I heard him do a, a promo last week. It's like, he's not the most com- comfortable speaker, but, but in New Japan, you don't have to be. Not, not necessarily. And I, I think like, he's got a, like all of these guys, like they've, They've got a lot of attributes that you look for that really makes you high on a lot of these guys. Uh, Umino landed a missile drop kick and a fisherman buster to win in 8 minutes and 16 seconds. Um, good fire from both of these guys in this particular match. Uh, Manabu Nakanishi, Toa Hanare, Clark Connors, and Kramer took on Yuji Nagata, Ryusuke Taguchi, Ren Narita, and Yuya Uimura. Uimura is at the bottom. He's got zero wins in the Young Lion Cup, but this uh, just a... Uh, uh, Eight-man tag. And this one, um, Nakanishi was in a lot of positions where he had to run, and that's never a good thing. Whether he got in and, like, chased the guys off the apron, and then he got Irish whipped, and he just doesn't need to be running. Uh, Taguchi eventually hit a bunch of uh, hip hip attacks and then applied the ankle lock onto Michael Richards and submitted him in 11 minutes, 19 seconds. Uh, Richards and Narita got separated after the match. The Young Lions got very heated here. Then it was Jushin Liger and Rapungi 3K versus Minoru Suzuki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Doki. And the major focus was on Suzuki and Jushin Liger. They are clearly building up to not just a match, but a big match between these two. They fight on the floor. They're going all over the place. Um, meanwhile, uh, they were beating down on Yo inside of the ring. 
Uh, Suzuki returned. Uh, Liger uh, ends up challenging Suzuki, and the audience gets excited at this, and then Suzuki goes for Liger's mask behind referee Marty Asami's back, and then they catch Suzuki. They stop him from removing the mask. Uh, 3K is in there with Doki, and it ends with a 3K delivered to them, and Sho gets the pin at 10 and a half minutes. Uh, but Suzuki continues his attack on Liger. He keeps going for the mask. Then he attacks the young lions and he leaves. Liger gets on the mic. He says, I want your ass right now. We're going to fight. He didn't actually say that part, but he challenged him to a match right now in Beppu. And Suzuki just laughed at the notion. We're going to do this match in fucking Beppu. <laughs> and he just left, declined this. So it seems like they're teasing like a mask deal here. Maybe like hair versus mask or I don't know hair. if that's he's got no hair. Left. Well, I mean, he's done matches before with his hair on the line. So I don't know what he can put up necessarily. That would be Do you think Liger actually unmasked for his last match. Maybe. I don't know if I want that. You know, I think that would It'd be a real me. emotional that end to his career. Me. Like this guy that you've never like that could be the final. He's not just like it's you're not just taking the mask off. The guy has no hair now. Like he'd be completely like but there would be things. so much of like people would be emotional. Oh yeah, like it for, would be a Wrestle Kingdom main event. I think yeah, something like yeah, that. it could be a but, really big. But, moment. What do you think they do the match? See, I think Wrestle they, Kingdom seems so long for them to do this. I hope they don't just maybe King of Pro Wrestling. Maybe it's going to happen in October next yeah. month. There was also a spot at the beginning of this. One of the young boys was on the apron before the match began. Suzuki just ran and booted him, and this dude flew off the apron. Wow. Anyway, so this was just building Liger and Suzuki, and they're doing a very good job with it. Uh, Kenta, the now blonde-haired Kenta, uh, with El Fantasmo, Taiji Ishimori, Yujiro, and Bad Luck Fale took on the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, Kota Ibushi, Togi Makabe, and Tomoaki Honma. Um, the match is really brief. They're building this up. Monday show is in Hibushi, in Abushi's hometown uh, in Kanagawa, in uh, Kagoshima. And he's putting the briefcase on the line against Kenta in the main event. Uh, it was a four-on-one beatdown on Honma at one point. And then Eagles stopped a go-to-sleep attempt by Kenta onto Honma. Osprey hit the handspring double in Siguri. Then everyone was sent to the floor. It ended with uh, Kenta sidestepping a Kokeshi, PK, and then a go-to-sleep on Honma. And pinned him in nine minutes and 18 seconds. And then... Kenta just stood over Abushi. Abushi raised to his feet, and they just had this great stare down between each other. I think that's going to be a really great match on Monday's show. I think LeBlanc looks great. It looks good for him. Like yeah. he, the heel, like you they, know, it's just no, the way he stared at him. Yeah. Like the heel character works well for him. It's no blue. No, it's not. Try, try it's that not next. that uh, that big of a turn for him. <laughs> Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto, and Rocky Romero against Sonata, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi. The highlight of this match was Goto and Takagi. They just worked at an unbelievable pace for the time they were in. They were in it at the beginning, and then after the match, they went at it. Um, their singles match is going to be phenomenal, I think. Um, we saw Okada placed into the uh, Paradise Lock, and uh, Romero was in there to take the cover here. Uh, the Shiranui got caught by Sonata with the skull end and submitted Rocky Romero. But then afterwards, uh, Goto and Shingo continued fighting, and Sonata just stared at Okada from a distance. They're doing the King of Pro Wrestling match on October the 14th for the IWGP title. Tetsuya Naito and Evil, uh, they defeated Jay White and Chase Owens. A lot of this was White and Naito just taunting one another. Uh, Naito spit at him, and then... Uh, each was putting the fist up because at first White was trying to mock him, saying to come fist me. And then Naito was like, no, you come fist me. Uh, Owens hit the jewel heist. Package Piledriver got 
stopped by Evil, and then Naito hit Owens with Destino and won while he was uh, raising his eye, doing his uh, deal, looking at Jay White. 11 minutes, 11 seconds, and then they continued fighting after the match. There was a consistent to every post-match on the show of just brawling and having to separate guys to build up future matches. So their match is next Sunday in Kobe. Gorillas of Destiny against Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi for the IWGP Tag Titles. Um, this match went 21 and a half minutes, and it wasn't without its its hiccups. There was a point when Tangaloa was seated, and uh, Tomohiro Ishii was standing, and he was waiting for Loa, it looked like, to turn around so he could do the sliding D, but he was facing a different position, and I don't know if Tangaloa was just thinking, well, I don't want to look silly and adjust myself, so you just run off the other rope. Or what was going on. But Ishii is just like, he's like stomping, he's waiting for it. And then he just has to give up on it. And he just lifts him and hits a normal lariat. And mm. it just seemed like they were on different pages. And it was like a rare Ishii moment that it was just like time stood still. Um, then Ta uh, Tamatonga went for a gun stun onto Yoshihashi. And that was just totally messed up as well. Um, they finally got the rhythm here. Yoshihashi, the story was he's never won a title here in New Japan. So they were teasing, could he win the tag titles here with Ishii? Uh, he got several near submissions and near falls on Tamatonga. And as he's going for karma, Kenta runs down and he distracts Yoshihashi because Yoshihashi has to stop karma. He goes over, leans through the ropes, and Tamatonga rolls him up. Karma was a bitch here for Yoshihashi, who gets rolled up. It was a pretty lame finish. 21-35, the Gorillas retain. It's their sixth title defense. Um, the ending, the crowd did get heated for, but um, this is not great. Um, but it was, it was, it was good post-match Kenta and Yoshihashi got involved and Ishii was also getting involved in this fight as well. So it looks like a Kenta Yoshihashi match at some point they're teasing here. And then the main event was Hiroshi Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. for the British heavyweight title. Zack says in the video, he has to win this match back, er, the win this title back. It's not just the title. This is the rest of my life. I'm going to be champion forever. And no matter what other titles I win, it will be above all else because at my core, I'm the British champion. And that was his need to get this title back way. Um, Tanahashi, this man is so charismatic. One of the biggest pops in this main event, he took off his robe and his abs got like, uh, yeah, look at this guy. They are beautiful. Great abs for this man at his age. Um, each is going for control of the other's arm and placing pressure in the early going. Zach then stalls on the floor and the referee goes to bring him in and he's he's telling the ref, I'm checking my ankle. I'm checking my ankle. And he's just being Zack Sabre Jr. And it's awesome. Um, Zach then goes after the right elbow. He's stomping on it. He's attacking it. Tanahashi would come back and he teased the high fly flow to the floor, but Zach gets out of the way. So Tanahashi goes for a baseball slide and Zach catches the leg and applies a leg lock from the floor. And then as he's trying to get into the ring, Tanahashi hits him with a bunch of dragon screws and he goes after Zach's knee. He does. You remember the Bret Hart setup to the sharpshooter he did on Yokozuna where Yoko's down chest first and he mm -hmm. goes to apply it. Yeah, he tried this with the cloverleaf onto Zach and man. The application was not good. <laughs> it was like, a, like just, did, just didn't look good. Um, hit a pair of sling blades, then goes for the high fly flow, lands on the back of Zach. But instead of following up like he usually does with an additional high fly flow, he decided, oh, sorry, he hit the high fly flow. This is when he had the bad cloverleaf. So he's going for submissions. He wants to submit Zach. That's kind of the story here. He hits a bunch of a uh, pair of twist and shouts 
and then goes for a third twist and shout and gets caught with the Zach driver. They trade big uppercuts. Zach kicks out the arm. Penalty kick gets caught. And then there's a cradle from Tanahashi that he kicks out from. And then they go for the sequence. And Tanahashi reverses the Cobra twist to apply the Cobra twist onto Zach. But he is playing right into Zach's game. Because Zach has the counter to the Cobra twist. And he gets out of the Cobra twist into a cradle where he rolls him up, hooking the leg. And he catches Tanahashi. 26 minutes and 44 seconds. This match went by so quick. When they said 25 minutes... I thought they were at like 15 or something. It went, it did not feel like 26 plus minutes. Uh, so Zack Sabre Jr. wins the title back after 15 days as champion for Hiroshi Tanahashi, flips it right back. But the highlight way was the post-match promo. Zack gets on the microphone. Sit down, dickheads. Your British heavyweight champion is talking. <laughs> he said, I've got the title back. Thanks, darling. But I'm taking it back where it belongs. I just killed Strong Style. The ace is dead. I've been the British ace for over a decade, and now I'm coming for all of you dickheads. And everyone's talking about becoming a double champion. Zach says, I'm going to become a triple crown champion. I'm going to win the IWGP title and the IC title. And he's going to have it on top of his British Heavyweight Championship. Zack Sabre Jr. was awesome. He was just tremendous here. I didn't think this was as good as the Royal Quest match. I think they need to give this match a long breather after this, but it was a very good main event. I I enjoyed it. Um, Very easy match to watch. I would say a thumbs in the middle show. Um, Not not a great show, but it was, you know, for two and a half hours or three hours, I should say. What do you think was the point of having Tanahashi win that title? (sighs) I think like a pop in London. And then you have something to come back with as opposed to Zach defends in London and you have no heat to come back for a rematch. But yeah. it felt very much like... A, remember when John Cena won the WWE title at the Royal Rumble and then lost it two weeks later? Yes. For no reason. It, it kind of felt like that. Okay. So that was the uh, New Japan show. And then they're in uh, Kagoshima on Monday. And the final show is the AAA show. Just a few notes here. Our man uh, John Cena was there. And it seems like... Cena. Cena. Yes. Not Cena. Yes. Um, but you could see this crowd because it seemed like they had a pretty good walk up. The, Is that right? They made a great decision and maybe they were like very much pushed towards this uh, to go to the Hulu Theater because mm-hmm. this would have not looked good in Madison Square Garden. But in the Hulu Theater, the photos you see circulating sounded like a really hot crowd. Yeah. It and it good. was Mexican Independence Day. So mm-hmm. it looked like they drew a, a walk up and it seemed like a pretty heated crowd. So. Um, we only had four matches going into this. Um, so our, uh, by the way, I heard the, uh, he mentioned here, they were selling masks at the merchandise table for two ninety, um, shirts for 35. I know it's crazy. Um, so way just like his Jesus. threw his water bottle in the air at those prices, but I saw the photos. They were way ahead of where new Japan was because they had a ton of merch. They had Kane Velasquez merch. They had triple A jackets. Like wow. they came prepared to sell merch uh, to this crowd. Um, so opener saw Masquerita Sagrada and Chris Dickinson fresh off the blood sport show, defeating uh, uh, Dimas and uh, Dave, the clown. Then from impact, it was Michael Elgin, Josh Alexander and Sammy Callahan over Fabi Apache Drago and murder clown followed by Daga over Puma King uh, Flamita and Aerostar, which sounds like a really great uh, four corners match. 
Then uh, Taya Valkyrie defeated Tessa Blanchard to win the Reina de Reina's championship. Lucha Brothers defeated Santana and Ortiz. Uh, crowd was chanting AEW throughout this one. I heard this match was solid as well, as you could expect. Kane Velasquez, Brian Cage, and Psycho Clown defeated Rey Escorpion, Tejano Jr., and Black Taurus. Uh, he mentions here, Kane got the pin after a sp- um, it was a handspring into a stunner. And I saw the highlights of this, and Kane looked tremendous. Um, yeah, again, in I match number two. In GIF form, he looked great. Yeah. And then the main event, Dr. Wagner Jr. defeated Blue Demon Jr. in the main event. Set a hot crowd throughout the night. And then the heels were... Uh, the heels come out after to attack Wagner, and then all the baby faces, including Cain Velasquez, came out to make the save and send everybody home happy. So it seems like this was the Cain Velasquez show um, at the end, and he'll be doing the October 13th show, and it sounded like this turned into a really, really solid show on Sunday night for those that watched it. That's really good news for him. Uh, I wonder if it's a market that they'll continue to run in the future. It'll be interesting to see if they go back to New York. Obviously, yeah. Impact uh, helped them out by being able to run with their license on this show and had some involvement as well. So I'm going to try and watch some of this show, especially the Kane Velasquez match. Yeah, uh, and maybe we will talk a little bit about, about it uh, more tomorrow or maybe on the double shot this week because uh, I definitely want to watch Bloodsport at some point too. So maybe we'll so talk much. about it then. So much this weekend. Yeah. Uh, just one note on uh, Becky Lynch, WWE has reported that she has been fined for inadvertently striking a referee, a fine of $10,000. Oh, man. Good thing she doesn't have kids. She wouldn't be able to send them to college. Yeah, $10,000 McMahon dollars, I think. But $10,000 nonetheless. Yeah, so that's uh, going to wrap up the show. Uh, It was a very busy day of wrestling, but uh, glad all of you could join us. Yeah, there's a lot of news we probably didn't get a chance to get to. Maybe we'll talk a bit about uh, what's going on with Big Cass on uh, Rewind yeah, we have Yeah, we have a story up on the site about the Big Cass situation. Uh, very, very sad story from from Saturday night uh, at the, the farewell show for Pat Buck at WrestlePro. So uh, yeah. that's up on the site. Uh, the draft that we discussed as well. Yeah, Monday we'll do a big catch-up on all of the news, uh, some of the highlights from the uh, the New Japan card on, on Monday. Man, these weekends are just... Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's like all, the, all these weekends. You really kind of have to, you know, pick, pick and it, choose pick and because choose. trying to watch all of them, you're pretty spent by uh, 1254 in the morning. <laughs> uh, but thanks as always, Way, for joining me and oh, all of you for tuning in. Episode three review for Star Wars uh, is up on Up Next Feed right now. If you I hear Braden is a really great handle on the Star he's, Wars franchise. He's fantastic. All right. And some big news coming from the Up Next world on Wednesday night. Yes. And uh, we can announce now uh, they will be joining us in studio yep. on the Cafe Hangout on Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to Up Next for the uh, NXT debut on USA. That's this Wednesday. Yes. And uh, we appreciate all of you for uh, tuning in to these live shows we do. Uh We'll be having some news about these post-pay-per-view shows in the near future. Uh, A lot of changes, a lot of good changes coming uh, to the post office in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Wayne and I will be back Monday night with Rewind to Raw. We'll have the whole schedule out Monday afternoon. And that's so it. I want to make sure you stay on the mic. Oh, I'm every sorry. time you turn, turn your... I'm trying to address uh, I know, I the know. camera. It's tricky. Well, people can get my side profile. That's it. I'm very tired. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. <laughs>